A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 109, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. A very warm welcome. And you know, it is the off-season, but I can't complain because it's not as long as the last one. But I still am getting itchy feet. Uh, Dan Power, with you, with itchy feet, uh, joined as always by the Professor Pete Steinberg. And Pete, how are your feet? Uh, Itchy as well? Uh, My feet are a little itchy, although I have to say that I may have not I, I watched more rugby last weekend than I have since the end of the MLR season because there were a bunch of men's internationals going on, a bunch of women's internationals, and uh, um, got my 20-month-old son to get excited to watch rugby. He would point Ooh, at the like he, he, yeah 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 he would point at the TV and say rugby rugby. I'm like okay cool that works. So yeah, watched yeah. Uh, I watched a ton. It felt like you know it's not quite like an MLR like you know super saturday super sunday that we have every weekend where you've got to actually watch the game and pay attention because you've got like you might call the game next weekend or we've got this podcast but it was a it was a, a lot of rugby the island new zealand men's game was great um the uh um there was uh the um france um new zealand women's game was also a really interesting game so lots of lots of rugby to watch lots of rugby to watch Mixed weekend in the uh, power household. We obviously lost to England uh, on Saturday, the Australian side. Uh, congrats, Pete, to uh, you and your other, uh, what, what a colon- colonialising bastards. Half of Is me. that right? Half of there me. Half of me. There we Half go. of me. Uh, yeah. But a little change of code on Sunday, I got to watch the uh, Australian T20 cricket team win the World Cup. Uh, right. Major League Cricket podcast coming up maybe as uh, we uh, bring in another game that Americans are just going to look at and be like, "What are they doing?" But that to be, yeah, to be fair, maybe maybe T twenty, maybe T twenty. Watch, yeah, it, it was a good weekend. Um, my wife was away in Mexico celebrating turning forty with a bunch of college friends, so I had the um, I had the kids all weekend. Um, Elliot decided that he was going to um, ignore the time change and start waking up at four thirty. So that's been that's been fun. Um, but uh, yeah, no, just just me and the kids. Lots of playdates. The house was a disaster until about an hour before my wife got back from Mexico on Sunday night, and I was like, "All right, kids, we have to tie." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. Yeah. Have. I, I mean, everything's like thrown into a box and not in the right place, but it looks okay. <laughs> If I don't find out a little bit later when she pulls the box out and be like, these aren't music toys. No, but they're just toys. So. Just as long as there's nothing on the floor, you're golden. As long peak. as there's nothing on the floor, it's gold, yeah. 
and of course your wife does that every year with all her college friends right and they do the human pyramid it looks like the strain on the faces of some of the ones at the bottom is starting to increase as the years roll. <laughs> maybe, maybe you mean Aaron need to start a, a once a year get together and some sort of physical yeah. challenge tied to it. Well, I mean, Aaron's like a super fit triathlete, so he he's could killing it at do, the moment. Yeah, yeah, he could do a physical challenge. My physical challenge would be watching Aaron for as long as it takes to do a triathlon. That would hey, be my physical challenge. Ironman Arizona. Is on Sunday. Go. If you want to come watch me, you know, <laughs> I I don't know melts. Uh, we're gonna find out. I've done I've done a couple half Ironmans. This is the debut. Um, if you want to know why a hooker is, uh, you know, becoming an Ironman, well, uh, I just wanted to be a back at one point, so I followed Shane Williams. <laughs> so there, there's actually a lot of rugby players that do triathlon. Yeah, because uh, like, it's the way you get your. Yeah, it's the way you get your competitive juices going, right? It's about competition mm-hmm. and, and all-round athleticism. So so anyway, I, um, to be fair to my wife, she goes off with her friends not every year. Oh, it's sorry. just this was on the 40th. Yeah, yeah. We all have to go to Georgia with her friends in July, which is kind of gotcha. like the same thing. Like I look after the kids while her and her friends, um, d- you know, have, have fun. But no. Her, Decimate her cases of white claws. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's pretty much it. Were you there? So, yeah, but anyway, great, great, great rugby weekend. Got to watch a lot of rugby and uh, got to watch it with the kids. So that was great. All right. Let's focus. Uh, Tonight's uh, banter brought to you by, I'm just quickly looking around, Beats by Dre. My headphones just sitting to the right of me here. Beats Mm. by Dre. Great uh, sponsors of a lot of things, but just not this show yet. All right. Let's talk MLR schedule. It was released this week. Uh, The Dallas Jackals, the 13th team coming in and, it obviously poses some challenge for the scheduling, but the brain trust at MLR have got it done and credit to Nish uh, and his team. And so I know Statsport was involved too, but we give him so much credit uh, for getting this one put together. Anything jump out or you want to go through the teams and give me an interesting well, fact on every team? Let's do that. All right. Well, so first of all, let's, let's recognize the challenge that we have, right? Because there's different um, uh, parts of the country that have, have different weather in the spring. Um, I think there are two teams out of the whole league that actually have control over their venue, which means it's mm-hmm. not just you're not just scheduling for MLR, you're scheduling for MLR and then against what all the other stadiums like Torero Stadium and Starfire and all those other stadiums, they have other mm-hmm. things booked, right? And so it must be a back and forth. Um, the interesting things that I look at, Dan, yeah, because MLR is so close that, we actually don't know who the good teams are going to be next year. Like, I think we've got an idea, right? So, you know, NOLA tends to be competitive every year, right? Um, we think ATL and we think the Giltinis. I think Utah, the playoff teams from last year, we think. But other than that, it's pretty close. Like, Houston could be really good. So the two things that I really look for is um, when the buyers and home and away. There's a little bit of sort of, Let's have a look and, and, and see if there's any key matchups in the conference that you think might be important. But to me, as a coach, when I look at this, I'm like, home games, right? So if we're on the road a lot early, people don't realize on the road means you're losing probably a couple of training sessions, mm. right? Because you've got to travel, yep. travel. and you've got to recover. You've got to travel. So, so early on in the season, playing a lot away is challenging being at home a lot in the season is great. You get more time to be with the team. So those are kind of things that we can look at. But yeah, let's. Uh, um, I, I have a little 
Professor Breakdown on every, thanks to Stats Boy breaking it down for me. I've, I have a little tidbit for every team so every fan can have something to, 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 to grab hold of. I'll do what infuriates you the most. I'll go to the very end. There's also a change in the playoff structure. We're going actually to what it was planned to be for this year. But That's right. COVID changed it. So now we will have an extra week off playoffs. So we'll have an elimination final first where the second and third seeds will play each other. So the first seed, East and West, will get a week off. And then they'll play the winner of that game. Winner obviously then goes to the championship. And Dan, again, when you look at buys, there are some teams that if they make the playoffs, but they're not the number one seed, they might be playing 10 or 11 games on the trot without a buy to get to the final. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you got to think like early buys help for you to be good in early on in the season. But if you've got a long run at the end of the season, it's going to be tough when you get into those playoffs. All right. I'm going to start on the East Coast and we're going alphabetically. Just I think your system was set up alphabetically. If it's not, I apologize in advance for throwing you off. Rugby ATL, what is the big thing on the schedule for you this one, Professor? Well, I mean, I'm looking at, because I, as I said, I think there are two teams that we think in the East, or we know in the East are going to be good because they've traditionally been good, and that's ATL and NOLA. And it's also the rivalry, right? And so you look at ATL, and it, you know they play Old Glory at home. Then they play NOLA away and New York. Uh, at home so we're going to know very early on how they stack up um then they have a bye which is pretty good early on and then they've got a couple of home games they've only got one away game in the first um uh, six weeks that's Mm -hmm. good if you've got a lot of turnover you may not have that in atl but like i I like that but i went back and you know you look their last game of the season is at home against nola gold and i kind of feel like that game is going to have something like hanging on it Right. These are two teams, whether it's seeding, like that could be the game that decides who gets the buy the following week. Like that's going to be a, a, a really, really, and it's a grudge match, right? Like it's the NOLA ATL rivalry and having that, like that's a, that's great scheduling by Nishina's team to have NOLA gold ATL at the end of the end, end of the season. I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Um, to follow. I, I will say, I, I think the, the lead on, on scheduling is actually, uh, we, we got to give Emma Black a, a lot of a lot of credit because I think she really led most of this. I know on the competition side, we, you know, do a lot, but from, uh, I guess the unsung hero uh, is definitely Emma. If she listens to this, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. I mean, Thank you. Emma's Thank been you. awesome to work with for the first four years too. Emma's always been a great resource for the broadcast team as well with a lot of things that we've had going on, the craziness through the first four years. So thank you for that, Emma, and the schedule. And Nish, taking credit for other people's work yet again. Can you believe it? Unbelievable stuff, Nish. Right, are you done with ATL? We have ATL. 13 teams. Okay. Yeah, Old Glory, DC, looking for a rebound year. So, um, Old Glory DC, the interesting thing for me, home games in February. So, they've got, um, they've got New England at home on um, February 18th and Toronto at home on February 26th. Like, it can be nice in DC, but it could also be bitter cold. But they're playing two teams at home that, um, that are used to that, that can play in it, right? And we'll talk about this a little bit in, in a couple other schedules. So, so having those two home games early, I think is 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 going to be interesting for them. Um, 
They start off with ATL. That's, you know, that's a tough game. They've, they've got a really tough first five games going into their bye. So we'll know a lot like ATL, Gilgronies, New York, Toronto, and San Diego. Like we know out of those, we know that all, last year they were all fighting for playoff contention except for Toronto. And Toronto was on the longest road trip known to man. So we think Toronto are going to be better. By the time they get to their bye on um, week six, we'll have a good idea about where um, old Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, interesting to see that roster. You know, Jason Robinson, obviously, over oh, in France. Right. Yep. A real good 10. What happens with Robbo and, and, you know, who comes in, who goes out. We'll get into that in the team preview. So, okay. all right, uh, moving right along. You've already mentioned a few times. The Free Jacks from Boston, Massachusetts. So, you know, New England, um, a couple of things that, that are interesting. First of all, a buy the second week. Oh, right? Probably, ouch. Yeah, ouch, right? Probably to do with just weather, right? You just can't play. New England have their first home game in, you know, in uh, what is that, week six, the middle of uh, March, still going to potentially be cold. Um, so, you know, that's uh, like having, and then they, they're away, right? So they're away at NOLA. They have their bye. They're right away at Old Glory. They're away at the Giltinis. That's a long trip. They're away at New York. So they've got a lot of road games. So early on, hard for the coaches to really be able to do new stuff. Their preseason has to be very, very good. And then they're again, one of these teams, because they have early buys, right? They're one of these teams. They've got a long run after their first buy. And then they've got, um, you know, six or seven games at the end of the season. So they're going to, you know, if they, that they could potentially be playing the final as their 10th game on a row. And, you know, I think most teams don't, I don't think there's any team in season that has 10 games in a row that's scheduled. Like we're trying to break that up. So both of those things stood out for me with the free Jacks. Yeah. Two things out of there, Pete, uh, players sign up, fly on the same airline for those road trips, get your status up so you can get a nicer seat if you make the playoffs. There you go. Yep. The second one is I wouldn't be surprised if they have a pseudo buy at the back end. If they're comfortable, if they've got the ability to do so, because they've got that really long stretch of home games where they'll rest some key players. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. got to be in a position to do that, as we saw this but, year but, a couple of teams were. You know, but East Coast, their last two games are Nola Gold and Rugby New York. So two playoff teams they're playing. Those the last rivalry two games. game at the end too. Look at that. New York, yeah. New England, another big yep. rivalry game. Some, yeah, uh, that's right. Some bad, bad blood under there. Let me tell you. Ooh, don't, don't let me tell you. If I dig into that, it could be skeletons rattling in closets in Boston and New York. Oh, Ooh, hold oh. it, hold it. Boston and New York have have some sort of sports rivalry. Who knew? Yeah, I know. I know. Curse of the Bambino. Tom Brady just destroying them for years on end. Although. Giants fans will say that uh, the Giants probably got the better of that rivalry through that stretch. Anyway, we've gone off topic here. Nola Gold, Nola Gold. Let's go to New Orleans. What have they got? So Nola Gold start with three home games and then an early bye, right? So so it's a great chance for Nola to be able to work. If they've got new players to work them in, they'll have extra time. Um, and then they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row in that middle. So that's a lot. Right. That's a that's a lot of games coming through. And what we what we know about MLR, Dan, is we know teams that are the healthiest throughout the season generally do really well. So that's going to be their 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 depth will be tested. What they don't have, which they had last year, was like six away games at the end. Right. So so they don't have that. They have a couple of away games, but it's 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 spaced out a bit. But in those nine games in a row, 
there's one, two, three of them that are homes. There's a lot of travel. There's a lot of games in a row. So that's going to be um, really, I mean, that's a tough run for Nola. Not impossible, right? But it'll be, it'll be a tough run. They've got to come out of that bye on week four, really healthy, very fit and ready for that, for that grind that's going to come for them. They had a really good run home, but I think there'll be some lessons learned from that to not leave a run home like that to make the playoffs. I think they're going to come well, out. I mean, I mean, firing. they had a great run. Yeah, I mean, they they had a great run, but it was all about like missed opportunities at home early on in the season. So they play the Free Jacks, Rugby ATL, and Toronto. I think all three of those teams are going to be solid teams. If they if they win all three of those, then they've got some flexibility in that middle chunk. If they go one and two then now they're really putting pressure on themselves when they don't have much, uh, much freedom for any, any errors on that, on that middle grind. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Let's start spreading the news as we head up the coast to New York City. And Rooney looking, they, they were the bounce of a ball away from a championship in 2021. Can they go one better, Pete? What do they have ahead of them? Well, they have a buy on week one. Oi. Really? So, so if you think, yeah, if you think a buy on week two is bad, they have a buy in week one, which means for their season, they only have one buy. And then after they're buying week one, and this is just because you're in the Northeast, right? And it's, it's, it, you can't play at home. Um, they, they're away to Houston, away to ATL, and away to Dallas. Now you look at that and you say, well, if we look to Dallas as an expansion team. Right, they're probably you know they're probably not going to come out of the gate strong. Houston traditionally haven't been strong. Obviously, a lot of change there, so you can look at that and say, well, you know, maybe they've you know they've they've done pretty well, right, in terms of what they're getting away. But it's going to be it's it's going to be tough um, for them uh, as they go through again. They're at a um, they've got nine games in a row. Okay, most of those are at home, or I guess half of those are at home, pretty much. So so that's good. But yeah, that buy in week one makes it a long season. Yeah, it does. That's that's rough. Week one, but it has to happen. Thirteen teams. Someone has yeah. to sit out every Someone week. Someone has so. to not play. That's right. So, and, and it's <laughs> going to be a team in the, in the northeast. It's going to be Toronto, New England, or New York. One of those yeah. three guys, three three teams, because of the weather. Yeah. All right. Speaking of weather, doesn't get any better in February than Toronto, Canada. What do they have ahead of them? Is this going to be a big year for the Arrows after what they went through in last year? Well. You know, it's 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 interesting because um, they have a home game on February 11th. Yeah, I've tried to on February. I go there all the time. Pack your um, sluggos. And, and, Pack but, the but, budgie smugglers. But but here's the deal: their home game is against the Giltinis. Oh, it's genius! That's so a long genius. way for the Giltinis to go. It's a warm weather team. Right. And they've got to go uh, like maybe, maybe the long, I mean, except for San Diego to Toronto, it's got to be, or Seattle to maybe ATL. I mean, it's those kind of like five hour plus flights. Um, they except, might even have to take a connection. It's not in Toronto. Oh. What do you know? Stats, boy. I mean, Give it the, to us. The note is right there, but let's just get to it. That they play a home game. Oh, it's at BC. Vancouver Island. Yeah, that's why it's in February, Pete. Genius. I'm looking at the schedule, like not at the stat. Well, that's a great, I mean, okay, so. It's still a long trip because you might need a layover to get to. to Not from LA. LA's a huge airport. You'll get there in one go. Um, But 
I mean, that's so really, really smart move because it's all about marketing, right? Go to BC, play a game. That's 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 smart. It's a long Canada's long team. Canada's team. The the only thing I would say is that that makes that an away game, and they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven away games. They've done it before, like, and they've done well. Right. They'll be fine. And and their their first their first away game is at Seattle, so I'm sure they'll fly up for Seattle and stay out there, right? Fly there for mm-hmm. Seattle, stay out there for the bus, week in bus BC. up to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. bus up to Vancouver, be there for a week. That makes it a little bit easier. And there's a lot of a lot of guys from Toronto that are you know are from you know out west. So so interesting. All right, so interesting, but still a lot of away games for them early. Like it's you know we've talked about this for Toronto when they've had this kind of schedule. They just you know if they can get through that like at 500, then they've got like home game, home game, home game, and you know they'll be pretty set. But uh, okay, so playing in BC, that's awesome. Yep, and I'm going to segue this into a little break as we finish up the Eastern Conference. Uh, while we're in Canada, they had a couple of test matches going down to Portugal 20 to 17 and then getting a win over Belgium 24 to 0. Uh, bit of a mixed bag there for Canada. Pete, the Belgium game was a lot of really new players for Belgium. They're, they're actually an emerging nation. They're not too bad. Germany, Belgium, obviously pretty close there. And, uh, and, the, and Portugal. Portugal as well. Not a bad yeah, team. I mean, as well. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Portugal's actually really rising. They've got a lot of players that play in the. Uh, D2 in in mm-hmm. in, uh, um, in France and, and have had some really good results. Portugal and Spain are sort of like two of the rising nations, um, tier two tier two nations. And I think um, I think Portugal pulled that one off right at the last minute, right? So I think that Canada would think about going, but you know, Canada get a couple of games, but they're you know they've got to they've got to think about what what they're going to do next and how they're going to qualify for. Um, the you know, the next World Cup in 2027, right? 2027. Wow, Nailed that's it. a long time from now, right? They've got a couple of years where they don't have meaningful games. Um, and so there's, you know, I think there's 11 new caps in the Belgium game and it will be that generation that's going to be playing in 2027. We should, we should, if we're still doing this show in 2027, what's something we should do? We should get married in 2027. No, that's not how it works. You ever watch that one on the, uh, the office? Where, where Michael and Pam, like, we haven't had a baby in 20 years. And yeah. she's like, no, 30 years, 40 years. <laughs> okay, 40 years. <laughs> Sorry. I Again. like, I like, right. I, I like, but, you know, I like the fact, Dan, that if, if, well, in 2027, we'll be holograms, right? Won't we have our AI yeah. doing this for us with our holograms? They'll, augmented like reality. Scan our on head, the, augmented yeah. reality, they'll scan our heads and do it for us, so. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's jump onto the Western Conference now. And we'll start things off in Austin with the A's, Austin Gilgronies, uh, doing some good things down there. They had, they had a good year. I'll, I'll tick their box for a successful year from where they came from. What do they have ahead of them for 2022? Well, I really like their uh, um, their buys. So they have a buy in week eight. They have a buy, buy in week 15, which means if they're in that playoff hunt, it breaks it up pretty well. And their first three games are at home. They're at home to Dallas, Old Glory, and Utah. So, again, mm. opportunity to really work with their players early on and, and recover. And I think that you would say, you know, based on last year's performance, Dallas and um, Old Glory are two things that Austin are going to go in with some confidence. And then they'll be tested by that Utah team, and that'll be a good test for them. So I like the way that the season starts for the Gilgronies. All right. Dallas, new kids on the block. There you go. They've got pop culture. I had to work in some pop culture somewhere. Uh, 
what do you think? What do you think for the Jackals? Well, you know, I have I have looked at you know they have two away games. They play Austin away and San Diego away, and I I've, I've marked um, uh, week three against the Houston Sabercats as a bit of a marker for them. Right, I think Austin um, and San Diego coming in is probably people that think you know that they're going to be um, in the playoffs. Austin started strong, couldn't quite hold on. Um, San Diego did started weakly, but then had a good run. Um, but the Houston Sabercats, that that would be a good marker for Dallas. Uh, and and they're you know they don't have a great um, uh, for them. They don't have a a great buy. They've got a buy at week eight and a buy at week seventeen. I don't. You know, it would it would take something pretty special for Dallas to be in the playoff hunt. Um, not impossible, right? I mean, but it's like building a team from scratch takes more than just getting good players, right? There's a lot of culture building. I mean, the Giltinis did it last year, right? Yeah. So, so it's not it's not impossible. But I think I think that's tough. But I think that week three against the Houston SaberCats is a good marker for both teams. Did you say the Houston SaberCats or the Houston South Africans? Because Heineke Meyer is putting together quite the roster down there. They're up next. What do you think of their schedule? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. So they they get tested early, right? They have two home games. They get to play the LA Guiltinis right off the bat at home. So that's going to be a good test of the uh, of the additional players they're bringing in. And then they play Rugby New York at home. And I think those are two good tests at Aviva, right? Where they're going to really, where we're going to find out like how good these new players are and, and, and how good the new coaching staff is. So I think there's a good test for them early. Um, they've got uh, good buys. They're, their buys are on week seven and week 13. So that works well. Um, and, you know, they have a home game against the Austin Gilgronies at the, uh, um, at, at the end of the season. So that might be an interesting game for them as they, mm-hmm. you know, that Texas rivalry, if there's something on that game. Texas Cup, baby. I think they're being born Texas Cup, that's right. Houston. All right, let's yeah. uh, go to the champs now, the LA Guiltinis. So, you know, this is this is interesting. They're, they they play away quite a bit, right? So they play away um, at uh, Houston and then Toronto, which I thought was going to be a long flight. Now it's not such a long flight, but up in, up in BC. Um, I think the things that I've marked out is their two games against the Utah Warriors, right? So they play against the Utah Warriors on week six, um, at the uh, at the LA Coliseum, and then mm-hmm. they play the Warriors again on Week 17. So I think I think we, you know those are the two games that I've I've, I've marked as being interesting. They have two away games, and then they've got um, uh, a uh, um, a bye. You know the interesting thing is for the Guiltinis is last year they went to Hawaii. I've heard that they're probably going to go to Hawaii again. I think their ability to bring their players together for that extended period of time where you have control gave them that fast start. So if we remember, they came out of the blocks faster than anyone else. But actually, as the season went on, they came back towards the pack a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, they, I think they'll start strong. They also don't have, you know, until that week six game against Utah, they're not probably playing any of the, the, the really, really top teams. I mean, you know, the Free Jacks go there. The Free Jacks, I think, are going to be a really interesting team this year. But, but you know, they have a long way to go to L.A. Austin is there in, in, in week five. But that's why I've marked that Utah game um, week six and then San Diego right after it. So two home games at the Coliseum um, on week six and seven that will probably give us a good indication about where the Guiltinis are um, this year. Okay. You talk San Diego. That's their big rival on the West Coast. How is the Legion looking? And uh, obviously, challenges for them last year playing in Vegas and then playing in LA. 
back in San Diego on the full-time schedule now. What do you think? Well, they've got a um, a chunk of games that start at home. So they're, they're, was that four of their first five games are at home? Okay. And then I look at, they've got in the middle of their season, they play the Giltinis. Works out, this works out really well for them on week seven. They have a bye on week eight, and then they play the Utah Warriors. Right? So those are, those are the, the three teams, like the two teams you would think that they're targeting and saying what they need to do. And they get what may be, a, a, you know, they've, they've got a long run. So they have, what is that? They've got eight games in a row from week nine through week 17, and their bye is week 18. So they have a bye before the playoffs. So, you know, they actually don't want to be the number one seed because you don't want two yeah. weeks off, right? Good you point. want one, like, like they've already got the one week off. So it might give them some flexibility as they, as they have their run in because they don't want to be the number one seed and have two weeks off. They already have the week off they need before they go into the playoffs. And they're the only team that has that week off. So whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs, they'll have an advantage because they'll have the bye before then. But they've got to get there. And it, it's, uh, um, you know, again, a middle chunk of, um, you know, eight, nine games in a row is going to be is, is, is challenging. I don't know, Pete. I think the bye is a big challenge in MLR still. I don't think teams handle it or have figured out how to handle it yet. I'm not sure if I want to buy think, I think leading to the I playoffs. Think, yeah, I think so. But I think, Dan, you know, so it's kind of like one of those things we don't know. They go into that bye a little beaten up. It's a big benefit, right? They go into that bye humming and everyone healthy, then it can definitely disrupt you. Are we going to chart okay. uh, the record this year for teams against the bye? We, Do, yeah. we should we should figure out what it was last year, and yeah. if it's relevant, then we'll we'll talk about. It. We'll uh, it. When it, you say when you say we should figure that out, you mean Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll be supplying the show with uh, yeah. the record with of stats. teams against the bye with stats. The stats. You'll be supplying the show with stats <laughs> because your name is Stats Boy. When you were doing your law degree, did you think this is where you're going to end up? Like I like. <laughs> Hand, handling these two pelicans. You mean, every you mean week. still? Because I mean, when I was doing my law degree, I was I was handling you two. So I was like, that was, I, was I still going to be here? Well, it's like still here, but here's more stuff on top of the handling. Yeah. So sorry, I apologize for everything. <laughs> All right, let's go up to Seattle, the Sea Wolves. Back to back champs for the first two years. A couple of cracks. And uh, they, they actually came pretty good towards the back end of the year. It started to look like the Seattle of old again. What do you think next year, Pete? Do we see the old well, they, Seattle back? I, so they get, they've got a pretty good start, right? So they um, play Toronto at home at the first game. Long way for Toronto to go for that first game. They play Utah at home. They play San Diego away. So a little, like, you know, couple of hour flight down to San Diego. Gilgroni's at home and Nola Gold at home. So having that run in, especially with, you know, so not a brand new coach, but a new coach probably with a bunch of new players. You know, there's been a lot of change that's going on in Seattle. I think that is going to really help them start strong. We know Starfire, if they, you know, win those first couple of games, Starfire is going to be rocking. That's definitely a home field advantage. The challenge they have is that, you know, is their last game of the season is um, away to the Gil, um, to the Giltinis. So they've got to head down to the, to the Coliseum and if the Giltinis have anything like riding on it, that's going to be a tough game. So they've got to make sure that if they're going to be in the playoffs, they've got to give themselves a little bit of freedom. They're playing the Sabercats 
on week 17. And so by then, you know, maybe if the Sabercats don't start strong because there's, you know, bre- you know, lots of new players, but by then they'll, they'll be rocking that stuff. And they've got their buy on week 16, which is probably the best buy if you're going to go into the playoffs, right? Like, like you said, it's hard to have that buy. They get that break with week 16. They have two more games before they go into the playoffs. So I like the way their buys are, especially with all the home games that they have early, even though they've got um, eight games in a row. So um, I like the way Seattle is. I, I think, I mean, I don't think it's a dark horse because I think they played really well. You know, we know that they've got good players and, and you know, Clarkie seemed to have them humming at the end of last season. He did. Let's see if they can do it again, though. One of the teams that uh, they lost to at the death were the Utah Warriors up there in Seattle. So, Utah, what are you thinking? One better? So, Utah, let me pull that up. So, the challenge that Utah have is their first three games are away. So, they're away at San Diego, away at Seattle, and, the, and away at the Gilgronies. And again, that's a lot of travel disrupts a little bit, can't do as much, got to make sure you have a good preseason. Then they have a bye, but then they're one of these teams that they've got seven games or eight games in a row leading to the end of the season, right? So their bye is on week 10 and then no more buys, right? So that means that for them to get to the final, if they're not the number one seed, they're playing 11 games in a row and no one else is scheduled really to play 11 games in a row. So they're, they're one of those teams that could really do with being the number one seed if they're going to get into the playoffs mm. to be able to give yep. them that break. They do have Dallas Jackals on week 18. And so, you know, our expectations as an expansion team completely like contradicted by the Guiltinis last year is that Dallas are going to probably struggle. Um, and if they do, it gives them a little bit of, uh, um, of leeway, but they do play the Guiltinis at home on week 17. And that was one of the games that I was looking at for the Guiltini. So I'm looking at that for Utah as well. Pete, perfection as always, my friend. You've given me all the information I need to destroy Scary Larry in the uh, Super Brew next year. And let's just quickly, because we did talk Canada, let's talk a little USA rugby. A women's team go down 20 to 10 over there to Ireland. Absolute cracking game, though. A couple of tries. Uh, USA scored one in the corner. It's absolute ripper. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, get online and find it because it was but, gorgeous. To be fair, that 36, 30 second clip online miss, misses about the first 30 seconds where the ball actually came from one side of the field all the way to the other. It might be one of the best tries the US has played and sort of like scored in the last 10, 15 years, right? It was an amazing try. Really struggled. There, there was like a huge TMO screw up where Tess Fury scored a try on the mm-hmm. line. Referee called it a knock on. The TMO called back a knock on by the US. So they disallowed a try in the first half. But for some reason, this obvious score wasn't called back by the TMO. And to be fair, the Irish coverage that we were watching showed it like 10 times. You could see yeah. it was on the line. That was that was a big game changer. Huge, about 20, 25 minutes where the US really, really played well. Struggled in the scrum early, which I think was one of, one of the issues. Set piece is definitely an issue for that. But the US showed what they can do. And as long as they continue to grow and learn, um, you know, you're, you're, Dan, you're talking to a coach that holds multiple loss records for the U.S. women, right? Like, like I, I think I hold, I hold the record for Italy, for Canada, like for a whole bunch of teams, because when you play so few tests, you got to try things out, right? You just can't, like, like you don't have any other choice. And so um, I think the U.S. showed if they can, like, you know, I think they showed what they can do. Obviously, 
very disappointing game against Ireland. And if you haven't seen the controversy that the Irish women had coming into the game, check that out, where the women's performance director basically blamed the players for not making the World Cup. Ireland didn't qualify for the World Cup. They lost mm. to um, Scotland in a game that they probably should have won. And the women's performance director pretty much came out and said, oh, we gave the players everything they needed and the pressure got to them. And they said that like the week of the game. So, well, in, in fairness, it obviously galvanized within the playing group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, beat a higher ranked yeah. team. So, uh, yep. not to say it's right. I don't think that you should ever, I, I don't think laundry should ever be aired publicly like that. I think it's ridiculous to do that. There's internal processes to do that. And as you know, win, winning and then qualifying and doing a lot of things as challenges. In particular, the women's game faces a lot of challenges in terms of preparation, right. camp time. And you know this as you were head coach for years. The challenges you face begin long before uh, those amazing women get to lace on a boot and even step onto a field. So suck right. it, whoever that person was. Suck it. There you go. They went out and proved you, you wrong because they performed. Um, let's move on. Happy news. Rhino Rugby returns as the ball and equipment provider for MLR. Good partnership. Rhino Rugby, yep. good company. Love what they do. They're, they're involved globally and uh, give some credibility around the world to the league with the balls and the equipment. And just just so you know, like in particular, the quality of the balls are really important for the for the game, right? You, Rhino provide high quality balls, which means kicking is better, more consistent handling is better. That you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that having like a a great rugby provider like Rhino Rugby um, really like doesn't just build credibility, but it helps the game improve in MLR. So really really good quality stuff yeah definitely i think we noticed that too there's some challenging weather games and the handling right remain quite high so congrats congrats let's jump into transactions now and there oh, there are a few of them as you would expect in the offseason dallas busy yet again they trade for adrian Carlose. uh he leaves atlanta to go there uh dylan james leaves la to go over to Dallas as well. Dewal Kutzi, Ryan O'Connor, and Ryan Bauer, all some free agent signings as well. Anyone jump out for Dallas on there? I think Carlos I mean, was a big one. Yeah, Carlos was the big one. I mean, he didn't he didn't make the uh, squad for the final, so we wondered, you know, was it an injury or was it coach's decision? But definitely a talented player, can play 15, can play 10, and obviously now has MLR experience. So I think that's a big pickup. This next one really caught my eye because I'm excited to watch this guy go. Christian Dyer uh, out of the sevens program, but we saw him in the 15s. And uh, as far as an attacking weapon goes, he was probably the most potent attacker throughout the qualifying series against Canada and Uruguay for the USA. So obviously a decision has been made to leave the sevens program and link up here with Houston. Um, still some work to do on his 15s game, probably positionally more than anything, but that's always right. the case with young back three players. Uh, so excited to see him get down there and get going with the Sabercats, Pete. Yep, everything you said was great. I think he was, it was a bit of a revelation for me with the, with the US. Um, definitely an attacking player, and I think good for Gary Gold. He's now going to be playing 15s regularly. Yep, Nola Gold, Robbie Coleman, Nick Feeks, and JP Eloff all returned from injuries last year. And we talked about depth and staying healthy. And these three guys were gone before a ball was kicked. I think Robbie might have gone down three. the first game, right? Yeah. Like in I, the I mean, first are, 10 minutes. Yeah, these are three fly halves. This was when we were talking about, like, you know, um, uh, 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 Tim Gearman being, like, the sixth choice fly half for Nola. That's because they started the season three fly halves down. 
So great for all of yeah. them. Hope they can come back. Obviously, being um like like the nice thing for all of them is they're not being rushed back. They weren't rushed back in nine months or something like that. They're all, they've all got mm -hmm. a, a year plus, um, you know, to to be able to come back. So that's exciting to see those guys. Great for Nola Gold. Just kind kind of off topic here. I'd actually like to see Feeks play a little nine. I think that could be a nice. Oh, interesting. Well, He's I a think, schemer. I, think, I like Nick Feeks. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Feeks. I'm, I'm I'm a fan too. And um, I think that he's one of those guys that could probably play any position in the back line. Like he's skillful enough to be, mm -hmm. able, to be able to play any. So, so maybe what, you know, the smart little brains trust down in NOLA, right? Nate Osborne, you know, find a way to use that versatility with Nick Feeks. I once had two you know, future U.S. scrum halves playing on a team um, for, the, uh, for Penn State. And when the ball went wide into the 15 channel, we let the other scrum half who was playing wing play scrum half and it allowed us to really stretch the field. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, th there, there might be some interesting things to do that, especially with Nola where they've got a lot of continuity and even these, even though these guys didn't play last year, they've been part of the stable for a while. Yeah. Some extensions up for the arrows as well. Spencer Jones, Ross Brown, and Lucas Rumble come back. Let's hope Lucas's hair and beard come back as well, because man, that was uh, some prophesizing on my part as soon as you cut that off, the old Samson and Delilah days. But let's go trades here. Will Leonard, this is a big one, traded from New York down to Rugby ATL. He has been an absolute uh, mainstay for New York in the opening second, three years. Second, second year in a row that Rugby ATL has picked up a New York center. Like, do they know something that New York doesn't? So yeah, I think I think a big a big pickup there. I think it's a big pickup for um, for uh, um, ATL. It'll be uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how he does down there. Again, you, you know, it'll be interesting to see what ATL have. Like part of this stuff that we hear is we don't hear from the teams about who's not coming back, right? We only hear it if we hear that on the wire that they get signed somewhere else. But I think that's a big yeah. pickup for ATL, and I think it's a hole that New York is going to have to fill. Uh, a poor man's Marco Keith. He just can't get away from his shadow. You know, he follows him right. ATL. So he'll be in Austin next year because, you know, oh, oh, I let one slip. Sorry. Let's, uh, let's keep moving on here. <laughs> well, that wraps it up, Pete. We're all good. Good to go. What, uh, what else is happening in the Steinberg world as we lead into this, uh, this weekend? Well, I mean, um, what is this weekend? Oh, more rugby. It's another big weekend of, of, of rugby. Really looking forward to the um, All Blacks France men's game. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, um, US women play England. It's going to be tough. The Canadians actually played them really well for a half, but the bench is just so strong for England. They pulled away. Um, and, and the big news like for the um, in the women's game is what's happened to the All Blacks, right? The, I think the All Black women have now this fall had three of their record losses against teams. You know, there was no women's rugby in New Zealand during COVID and um, it's been a, a real, a real challenge for them. And so um, I think the, the black ferns are really going to have to find, you know, can they close the gap right in the eight months, in, in the nine, 10 months they have before they have their home world cup. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. There's lots of news like um, Wales are giving out 10 full time women's 15s contracts yeah. um, and, and 20 part time contracts. You know, none of that exists in New Zealand. So New Zealand has pretty much relied on the fact they've got kids, you know, women start playing very young. Um, they all want to be black ferns. So they all quit other elite sports to become black ferns. And they've got really good coaching and a really good domestic competition. 
but there hasn't been a huge amount of investment by the NZRFU to even play games. And so they're going to be on a bit of a sprint over the next 10 months to be able to close that gap before they go. So lots of interesting stuff going on. Um, and I'll be uh, I'm getting Elliot to watch more Bugby. Good man. Good man. I wonder if Wales are also paying off TMOs. That was not a try against Fiji. There's no way he... Uh... Oh, wow, Fiji. I mean, 14 players and that have won that game, but 13 players. No chance. Couldn't do it. No chance. Couldn't do it. Sorry, Fiji. TMO. What we now listen, uh, Reese Samet was that was a an incredible kick and chase, but I don't know, Pete. I don't think he really got that ball down. I, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it, I could see it both ways, but you know, it's one of those challenges where there's that there appears unintentional bias against tier two teams right that's just kind of like what what it appears may not be that way but that's kind of like you know what it appears that the referees come in with um you know predisposed to believing that the tier two country isn't going to do the good stuff and the tier one country is so yeah i mean that was a great performance by fiji i just wish they could have if they i mean they'd have won that game if they had 15 players on the field no doubt oh no doubt no doubt and i think there's got to be some sort of review on this i know the, the the propeller heads will come out with the laws of the game chat here in a little bit and well by the definition there doesn't have to be control and downward pressure right and you guys just make all this stuff up yourself and but if you play in the backyard and you claim that that's yeah try any day of the week. <laughs> no way anyone's giving you that try and that's that should i still think we get the little panels on all the seats and you gotta that's funny. have a odd number and then everyone votes uh, like survivor trial no try i'm sure it won't favor the home scene at all wink I'm on sure. an audio podcast i just winks that's why i said it wink all right pete that wraps up let's get to bed late one here we've gone in hope this uh, has been a good episode for everyone as always get on to your podcast world like subscribe um Hit the bell. I hear my kids watching YouTube videos. Everyone's like, hit the bell. I'm, I'm assuming that's something to do with subscribing or notifications or something. But if we can do it, do it as well because uh, we'll have to get back and check some comments too. I know it's been we've been a little lax in the offseason. We'll pick up our game, I promise. Pete, anything? Yep. Final thoughts? Nope, just, Professor? No. Yep. Leave leave us a you know leave leave us a comment and uh, I, I mean, can we start counting down to the start of the game, like start of the season? What are we? That's boy. Figure out how many days there are until the start. I'm days? just kidding, buddy. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Don't do it. Just, I mean, just, uh, we can just do the results of a buy. <laughs> we can do this next episode for well, a countdown. So, so oh, hold on, hold on. Um, stats boy, first day of camp. Uh, voluntary workouts actually start uh, at, at Monday after Thanksgiving, and then wow, I think, two weeks. And then mandatory yeah. is. I think I want to say like the 20 it's before the first uh, it's mm. before the first it's before new year's there's a mandato- mandatory report date I'm I'm darn sure of that I think it's a I think it's a if you counted it perfectly it's a six week preseason so Merry Christmas Pete there you go I know here we come all right for Pete come. Steinberg Aaron Castro I'm Dan Power this has been the MLR kickoff <laughs>